a very big welcome to Now That's What I Call Sport on 98FM. 98 FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with Jamie Moore. Yeah, good morning, hello, welcome to the That's What I Call Sport. Coming up between now and 10am here on Dublin's 98 FM, we'll be going inside the Manchester City camp to find out who's going to win the Premier League title. And here's a little clue, I don't like the answer. Now, Megan, I'm a Liverpool fan, you're obviously a Man City person. Uh, who's going to win the Premier League? Pep or Jurgen? Definitely Pep. Uh, you have to say that. Yeah, Pep. nah. It's definitely going to be Pep in my opinion. We're coming for you. We're coming for you. Well, hopefully not. That's Ireland International. Megan Campbell, she'll also tell us how life after football is very much on her mind after a serious injury while playing for Manchester City women in the Champions League. Leinster can book a home quarter final in the Heineken European Champions Cup. But it's not really that simple. They do play Wasp later on today. They hammered today's opponents earlier in the competition, but things are not that simple, as ex-Leinster man Shane Byrne will tell us. Don't just take the foot off the gas and think that, right, they'll just go through the motions. Because if you were a Wasps player and you were involved in that defeat in the earlier rounds, you would want to get Leinster to taste a bit of that bitterness. And we'll ask former Ireland international Keith Andrews, who should be Ireland's next captain, the answer might surprise you. Without a shadow of a doubt, he's a, he's a captain in waiting. You'd have to say when when Seamus, uh, whenever that will be, relinquishes the armband, he's the obvious candidate, isn't he? But who is that obvious candidate? We'll find out more in a few minutes' time. Dublin's O'Byrne Cup final defeat will be on our agenda too. We'll find out about a very cool sport that Team Arden will, competing, will be competing at, should I say, at the Special Olympics in Abu Dhabi in March. And Shane Lowry's one million win as well. We begin the show though with an Ireland and Man City star who is very close to being back on the pitch after far too long away from us. 98 FM. Now that's what I call sport. Megan Campbell, welcome back to 98 FM again. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having a chat. Now we're here at the Spar Primary School 5's launch in Dublin. Spoke to Keith Andrews as well. What do you remember about being a young girl growing up playing football as a kid, maybe on the street or in school? Because we both agreed it's not as common now as it was when yourself and Keith, for example, I know he's older than you, but you both yeah. would have been kind of playing football on the streets as I was. Yeah, definitely. I think when I was a kid growing up, you were out on the street playing with boys, more so than girls. There was not many girls involved. And um, the whole way up to under-14s, I was playing with boys' teams because there was no girls available. Um, so for me, it was a lot different than what it looks like now. If I had the opportunity that the young girls and boys have now with this FAI Five Schools program, I'd absolutely jump on it um, because to get kids involved, it's it's an unbelievable opportunity, and to just expose them to to football, to sports, to keep the kids active, and um, obviously then they go, the winners go to the Aviva and to play in the Aviva. I've not even done that, so to be able to have an opportunity to do that is a, is obviously great. Yeah, you're of course Northern Senior International, and you're playing for Manchester City as well, so a full-time professional footballer. When did you, as a young girl, start to realise? I'm actually very good at football and I actually want to be a footballer. I think for me it was more about the enjoyment aspect of it. From eight years old I was playing football. I was also playing loads of different sports but um, I think 13, 14 I decided, you know what, I've got to pick one here if I want to be serious with it and because I, my love and most of my enjoyment went through football I was like, I'm going to choose football and thankfully it's, it's worked out well for me. So you played up until under 14 in boys teams and I was recently chatting to... Um, Rebecca Cook's granddad, Rebecca Cook is playing for Shelburne and she's in the Ireland senior squad for this game against Belgium and, and she was the same, she actually played for our schoolboy club for Belvedere and she was back recently training with the under 16s in the winter time to, to keep herself fit and it's something that when you're a young girl I'm sure you, you have to maybe think a little bit about oh I'm actually playing with boys and then when you realise that you're actually very good 
there's no problem. It's a very common thing in Ireland at that age for, for girls to have to play with boys. Yeah, definitely. I think for me anyway, it helps like physically because um, you've got to be obviously stronger, tougher against boys and girls to begin with. And to have that tough challenge, not only uh, being technically good, but physically, then obviously it's, it pushes you to, to improve yourself and to want to keep up. Um, and from there, then you go to a girls team and you feel like that bit ahead maybe if, if you've been playing with boys and stuff. So it's always great to do as much as you can. Yeah, now we spoke to Megan on the show in the summertime as well at the Aviva Stadium on the day of the, the, the Spar FAI Primary School Fives and she was six months into rehab from a very serious knee injury. You tweeted on New Year's Eve, no doubt 2019 will be... Sorry, a fan tweeted to say, no doubt 2019 will be a good year for you. The comeback kid, you tweeted, thank you, next, roll on 2019, which I'm sure was a, a, you know, a reference to getting rid of 2018 and on to the new year. How's the injury and the rehab and the recovery process? Because uh, this fan has called you the comeback kid and the comeback's getting closer. Yeah, I think uh, the comeback kid, because I've had so many injuries, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, 2018 was a complete write-off for me, obviously not being involved in any aspect of football. Um, trying to do a lot of rehab to get myself in a position to be able to back, be back training and stuff. Thankfully, I'm able to tell you now that I've been training since last Monday. I've had a full week of training with the team and I'm hopefully just going to build on that, start enjoying football again, being grateful for every minute I'm spent on the pitch and uh, hopefully I'll keep progressing to be getting minutes on the pitch. What sort of words would you use to describe the last 14 months or so since the injury happened last November, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was November 2017. Um, so, completely complete write-off I would just say yeah it was wasn't the best time for me but I learned a lot about myself as a person um both on and off the pitch so it, it was nice to step like see it from a different side um but yeah it was it was mentally tough more than physically I would say yeah your first season with Man City you won the treble and if we you know speak a lot this year about the Irish international women's team and, and you know how close you guys came to making it to the World Cup playoffs I think at the end finishing six points off the playoffs but you know, really good and you started the campaign with a win over Northern Ireland, you scored and got an assist the second game was also a victory six points from six and then very shortly afterwards you got your injury and you missed the, la- the rest of the campaign really and missed the whole season for Man City as well so particularly from an international point of view to have started so well personally and collectively must have been very hard then to have to watch the remaining games and when it got to the close, you know so close to the, to the, the playoffs and unfortunately it wasn't to be in the end hard not to be able to help on the pitch. Yeah definitely I think when you're seeing how well the girls were doing at the beginning of the campaign and then to obviously not be able to be involved and to not help or give a guide and help like to the girls it was it was obviously really tough to take not only um to be on the sideline but then not to be able to travel or to things like that um thankfully i had opportunities to go and to stay involved um through aviva and through rte to be able to be on the opposite side of things and to watch uh, the girls play but also do a bit of punditry so for that that helped me mentally to be able to go and still see them be able to compete both away and home um, obviously it's not the same as when you're on the pitch and being able to give your give your efforts that way but um, yeah it, w- it was very mentally tough to not be involved and to not to see the girls suffer towards the end of the campaign and to not be able to and maybe help them in any way I could and your plans are to be back in that famous green jersey at some stage in the next couple we're trying to find out it's either three or four friendly games that the team have in the next while as well but no competitive ones but to be back uh, playing and have you been able to to picture that moment pulling the jersey on after so long without it yeah I think every time you put the jersey on it's obviously a proud moment not only for me but my family and for everyone involved to be representing your country Um, Colin's obviously been involved and talking to me and texting me and stuff and seeing how I am which is obviously nice to see that you know those people still have that that care and that behind you and they still trust in you and your abilities and 
and so I'm looking forward to being back into the team hopefully the end of February start of March um, trip away to Marbella I'll um, be involved with the squad and, and meet up with the girls again it's been a long 14 months so I'll, I'm sure I'll see a lot of new faces and stuff and have to introduce myself all over again but um, I'm looking forward to it yeah Megan just finally you're playing for Man City at the moment as well and you're living in Manchester you've lived in America before in college and, and that sort of stuff as well Again, for young people listening, what is life like as a female professional footballer playing in the Women's Champions League, which Man City are playing in the Women's Premier League? There's an FA Cup, there's you know, loads of competitions, and Man City are one of the top teams. Yeah, it's obviously great for me. As a kid, I aspired to be a professional footballer, and that's all I wanted to do. And so to be able to carry out that career and um, be involved with such a major team is an unbelievable opportunity for me and something I cherish every day. And I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've been given by Nick and to to you know give me that chance as a young player coming back from America to play at, for Man City as my first professional team and I think I'll always be grateful for that opportunity that he's given me and the club have given me um, when you're there the facilities are unbelievable the the coaching staff's unbelievable like, so you, you're being exposed to the to the best of the best um, as such and yeah it's just a great opportunity that I've been given and it's one that I'll um, always cherish yeah Arsenal, Chelsea and Man City the top three at the moment in that league as well um, when you're you know involved in the games and stuff, you know we see over here the women's national league. Some of the crowds are quite good, other the crowds are not so good. And we've spoken about you know the, the senior team playing and how big those crowds have been. What type of crowds are you guys playing in front of as well? Atmospheres and then when you go to Europe, I'm sure it's a step up as well. I think City were knocked out this year in the last 32, but playing the Champions League as well is a, is a fantastic thing to do. I'm sure playing in different places around Europe. Yeah, definitely. Like playing international football, it gives you the exposure of like playing against top clubs all around Europe. Um, you're playing the best of the best as such and unfortunately we lost uh, to Atletico Madrid this year and previously we've lost to Leon, the eventual winners so you're you're giving yourself the opportunity to play against the best players in Europe um, if not around the world um, so it, it's just a great opportunity for us as a team we've won and finished top two this season like you said we're, we're top of the table now but Arsenal are right behind us with a game in hand um, and it might come down to the last game of the season where we play them away from home so um, it'll be a tough game for us but just to, to have the opportunities playing Champions League playing in the FA Cup in Wembley like it's things that you only dream of as a kid and so to be able to say that I'm able to do them is obviously unbelievable Yeah Megan I'm a Liverpool fan you're obviously a Man City person uh, who's going to win the Premier League Pep, Pep or Jurgen? Definitely Pep. Uh, you have to say that Yeah Pep. nah it's definitely going to be Pep in my opinion I think yeah they're four points off but they're, they've won the, the league they're well experienced they've got a lot of players who are capable of they've, of playing they've got nearly two 11s that they can play they're in all four tournaments still um, and so I think my, hands down I think it's going to be Pep four points behind you but we're coming for you mm-hmm. no no hopefully not um, being at Man City and having the men's senior team at that level the manager at that level the style of play there's one game recently where like they're under pressure in their own box and the keeper to the centre back back to the keeper to the other centre back into midfield it's like incredible to watch is that a style that's expected of your team as well and, and you know I'm sure you, you, you get to see the senior team play sometimes as well to be able to watch that and learn from it and see it as a fullback yourself and you know the bravery they have to get on the ball and play is something I'm sure is, is, is nice to, to watch and be almost involved in like yeah I think Pep's instilled an unbelievable philosophy within them the, uh, like Man City the whole way through the academy they've pushed that to be technical be good on the ball and and be there for your teammates and you can see it when it when you see it come off on the pitch it's obviously unbelievable and and Nick does drive that too you know to to play our passing game and to play our our technical game because when you do it at a high level and you do it fast and you do it 
uh, good other teams can't compete with you and, and then it's all about just finishing the chances that you do get yeah, the Inside City documentary on Amazon Prime was a real insight and, and you know interesting look at, at the club and stuff. And, and I know you guys would, would kind of be quite similar as well. The facilities and, and everything around the place is, is unbelievable. And, and I know the women's team as well get you know as much options in terms of all of that stuff as the men's team as well. And uh, like apart from on the football pitch, all the other stuff around gives you a real good opportunity to, to be a pro. Like yeah, definitely. I think there's nothing that you can say that isn't given to you in order for you to perform at your best at City um, everything is uh, given to you you've got every facility like you said you've got food you've got nutritionists um, there's psychologists there's physios there's doctors uh, everything there that, that you need to be able to compete at the best level and, and to win trophies Megan finally you uh, got a, a masters in social science in Florida before you've come back to play as a professional as well that gives a great kind of background to if injury or if when you retire and stuff as well and, and that was something you definitely chose to do to go away and get an education as well it's not something that every young footballer does male or female as well was that a conscious thing in your head that you wanted to do and since you finished college have you done any other types of education things and is there a plan to do more and maybe you know have a foot in, in another industry if and when you might need it uh, yeah I think it's something as a female footballer that from when I was in college it's something that you had to look at because women's football was so far off the men's and you know, if football doesn't work for you or it doesn't last as long, you, the the income isn't going to cover you for the rest of your life. And so it's something that I had to look into was to do um, education for something to fall back on. Then obviously through injuries and stuff, I've, I've had a bigger look at it and things like that do pop into your head all the time. Like what if I, don't, I finish playing now because I've injured or what if this injury stops me from being able to finish out my career as a footballer? Like what do I do next? And um, it's obviously something to fall back on for me think I will use it in the future um, in terms of going down the like sociology route and stuff like that but for now I just want to focus on playing um, I have done my up to my youth cert in Ireland when I was in Carlo um, doing that sport and exercise course which was great and then I went to America and I've come back and at City I've started to do my way for B so yeah there is other options outside of football for me but my main aim is to just play as long as I can and hopefully uh, no more injuries for me. <laughs> Megan Campbell, thanks for being best of luck and we're looking forward to seeing you back on the pitch soon. Thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, that's our and the Man City star Megan Campbell on that. That's what I call sport here on Dublin's 98FM. Speaking to me at the launch of the Spar Primary School Fives for 2019 coming to the Aviva Stadium this May for 4th, 5th and 6th class students. More info on fai.ie and spar.ie. Now Nathan, myself and Megan had a little bit of banter there because she plays for Man City and I'm a massive Liverpool fan. Now we spoke during the week when Liverpool were 4 points clear. They're now 7 points clear again after beating Palace 4-3 last night. A thrilling game. Who's going to win the Premier League? Liverpool or City? My heart's telling me one thing but my head another. My heart, well, I never thought I'd say this as a United fan but I want City to be is just because I don't I'm, like... I'm turning off your microphone. Your microphone's off. Oh, a Manchester go. United fan <laughs> saying he wants Man City to win the league ahead of Liverpool and City and Man United are the main rivals. Your microphone is off. Yeah, it's off. No, it's off. It's off. It's off. I'm going to go to the competition and we'll debate this off air because it's a disgrace that a Man United fan wants Man City to win. Now, competition time here on the That's What I Call Sport on 98FM. Leinster face Scarlets in the Pro 14. 
on this coming Friday if you'd like to be at the RDS nice and simple text or WhatsApp the word Leinster plus your name and where you are and the number you need is 0877 98 98 98 that's the word Leinster plus your name and where you are and text or WhatsApp to 0877 98 98 98 after they get the matter of their Heineken European Champions Cup game off the agenda later on they're back to the Pro 14 next Friday we announce the winner at the end of the show coming up we're going to talk all things Leinster Dublin football Special Olympics Shane Lowry's 1 million euro win and ask Keith Andrews if the Ireland squad would accept Declan Rice back with open arms if he picks the boys in green over England 98 FM's now that's what I call sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store Ilac Centre 98 FM yeah you're welcome back and that's what I call sport here on 98 FM 25 past 9 on Sunday morning in Dublin still to come we're going to hear from Shane Lowry Shane Byrne Devon Toner Josh van der Fleer and Keith Andrews but first it's time for me to tell you how you can win a lot of money very easily Instagram. 98 FM's Instagram. Now, tomorrow is Blue Monday, right? They say it's the most depressing day of the year. At 98 FM, we say, nah, that's actually not the case. Because starting tomorrow, we're bringing you 98 FM's Instagram, where we're going to guarantee to pay out €1,000 every day this week on our Instagram page. It really couldn't be easier to win. Just follow us at 98 FM Dublin on Instagram, and then stay tuned to the radio and get ready to win an instant €1,000 every day guaranteed. Instagram all next week, only here on Dublin's 98FM. And Nathan is beside me. Nathan, if I gave you a grand tomorrow on Blue Monday, what's the first thing you'd buy and why? The or first, spend it on? The first thing I would spend it on is bribing the first Manchester United fan for a season ticket to see Ole Gunnar Solskjaer clinch that fourth spot. That's what I do. Okay, yes, myself and Nathan are going to continue our debate in just a moment about Man United, Man City and Liverpool. But just a reminder again, at 98FM Dublin Instagram, follow it now. Get your phone out or your iPad or whatever you have. Follow it right now. And then from tomorrow, listen to 98FM on the radio from the Big Breakfast tomorrow morning with Cooper and Luke. And we could be giving you a grand on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday only here on Dublin's 98FM 1K every day 98FM's Instagram now we'll just finish off our, our quick debate here myself and Nathan Nathan is a Manchester United fan correct? correct ok now Manchester United are so far away from winning the Premier League title at the moment that they may as well be in League 1 um, but Manchester is a big city and Manchester City are the current Premier League champions who won the Premier League last year correct? Correct. Liverpool are currently top of the table, seven points clear of Man City. Man City are playing later on. I'm a big Liverpool fan. And Nathan, before the ad break there, mentioned that he would prefer Man City, their city rivals, to win the league as opposed to Liverpool. And I was very bold because I'm in control of the buttons here and I turned off his microphone. He wasn't very happy, so I'm giving him his right to reply. Please embarrass yourself. Thank you very much. I won't embarrass myself. I'll just speak truth. Um, the reason that I would rather see City win is because the hatred between United and Liverpool, as you know from a Liverpool fan, is just unrivaled. And I can you can say all you want about City being the better team in Manchester now because they are. But the thing is, if Liverpool win the league, I will happily move out of Europe because Liverpool fans will not shut up if they do. That's okay. why. Now, 90 FM's Kieran Halpin is here. Kieran, hello. Hi, Jamie. Nathan, how are you? Now, uh, you're a Man United fan. I am. And you don't agree with Nathan's point of view. Very quickly, tell me why. No, I, I want... I don't want Manchester City to win any more titles. Man United have 20 titles. City have two or three. I can't remember. It's too many. There's too much for me. Liverpool haven't won in a long time I understand that point of view Nathan but I don't want Manchester City winning any more titles I can't have another Aguero moment they have three Liverpool have 18 
like what is the odds they're going to become closer to being the most successful club in England if they win the league no but I, I don't want that anymore I want to stop Manchester City I want to stop Pep Guardiola and I want to get back to Nonsense. Manchester United winning that's what well, I want well, to that's not going to happen either but anyway yes <laughs> let's just say when Liverpool win the league I'll be very and I'm actually going to be sorry I've been invited to watch Wolves Liverpool last day of the season live in the stadium to celebrate with Klopp and the lads and I'm going to take this audio clip when you eventually bottle it which is Will and I can't wait for that and I'll remind both of you our show here is actually sponsored by the LFC store in the Ilex Centre so you better be careful what you're saying about Liverpool please please yeah. thank you now Nathan back to the serious stuff the Heineken European Champions Cup thrilling stuff really across the weekend we've got two Irish provinces through to the quarterfinals Leinster are also through but they could have a home quarterfinal if they do a certain thing today and it's all very exciting it is very exciting and two very close games Munster had a close 9-7 win over Exeter at Thomond Park incredibly low scoring game 9-7 but Joey Carberry proved the difference in the tense affair at Thomond Park Don Armand scored the only try of the game for the visitors but three Carberry penalties the last of which came in the 72nd minute guaranteed Munster top, squ- top spot and qualification Ulster had an amazing comeback to beat Leicester Tigers to qualify for their Champions Cup knockout rounds they were 13-0 down and they came back to win 14-3 Martin Moore kicked the province off with the fourth score of the game at the hour mark score in the Troy while John Cooney converted before four minutes later Robert Balakune crossed the whitewash which Cooney again converted to give them the lead the province held on for an impressive win at Welford Road as they finished second on 22 points behind Racing 92 who they beat last week so it's uh, fair to say it's a brilliant week for Ulster Rugby but Leinster again today they travel to face Wasps Leo Cullen's men hoping to clinch a home quarter final with a bonus point win although the Premiership side are without a win in this campaign it's no easy game in the Champions Cup especially away from home and it's quite a full strength side for Leo Cullen with Ross Bourne keeping his spot at 10 for the injured Johnny Sexton Yeah let's hear now from some men in the Leinster camp Josh van der Fleer knows his team need to be on their game despite hammering Wasps 52-3 earlier in the competition Look towards Wasps again it's obviously going to be a, a really tough game um, they had a good win a couple of weeks ago against Northampton in, in the Rico Arena so uh, we know we know how how good they can be at home, and obviously um, we know how how we like to protect protect your home ground kind of thing and play well there. So it'll obviously be special for them anytime anytime they play at home. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty tough, and we want to kind of bring that performance that we brought on the weekend, uh, bring that to an away fixture, which which would be which would be massive for us. I think we we just kind of focus on on ourselves, but then also what what they can potentially bring. We know we know they're a really dangerous side. They've had some really good wins, um, and they have some really dangerous players. And I mean, especially if you kind of look at their mindset, um, we obviously had a good season last season, and, and teams are kind of out to get us, I suppose. So that's what their kind of mindset will be. They want to go after us and and kind of protect. Uh, Protect their home ground. Obviously, the the goal coming into the coming into Europe was to secure a home home quarter final. That's obviously massive for us. You look at uh, at last year having Saracens Saracens at home in the Aviva with with the brilliant fans that we have. Um, it's obviously makes it makes it a lot easier and it's and a special makes it special for our fans as well that support us so well. If we can get them a a home quarter final, that's that's the goal. So yeah, a win win this weekend is going to be massive. Yeah, and if you'd like to be at, uh, watching Leinster next Friday, not in the Heineken European Champions Cup, but in the Pro 14 
on Friday at the RDS against Scarlet. Text or WhatsApp the word Leinster plus your name and where you are to 0877 98 98 98. That's the word Leinster plus your name and where you are and text or WhatsApp to 0877 98 98 98. A man you could be seeing next Friday is Devon Toner. Now, he didn't play in last weekend's win over Toulouse, but he's back in today and is aiming to make the impact needed to secure that home quarterfinal. It's absolutely a massive game. Um, disappointing to, to, to miss out last week. Um, obviously, to see how well the guys went. and, and, and um, But obviously, that's, that's the onus on us to come back in and, and, and to better that performance or keep that bar as high as, high as the lads have done it. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of pressure on the lads, unlike me who missed last week, to come in and keep that standard. They have uh, they've nothing to lose um, coming out with, with, with everything against us. And I suppose... With us and how we kind of went last year and how we how, how we've been playing, we, we have the big target on our back. So everyone loves coming up against us uh, these days, and I think it's a it's a it's a it's a great marker for them to 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 put down a, a good performance against against us. So um, obviously we're under no illusions of of this of the the strength of their squad. You just go through the go through their their squad there. It's they've got strength everywhere, to be honest. Yeah, that's Leinster's Devon Toner. Our expert on all things rugby is Shane Byrne, former Lions, Ireland, and of course Leinster man. And he knows if Blue Magic perform to their levels, all should go according to plan. Yeah, like it, it's incredible. Wasps kind of started to look earlier, very earlier in the season, that they were going to start showing some form, and then they haven't. I, you know, it's it's kind of gone a bit of a disaster for them in recent times. Um, I think that is just go over, get the points go home just put a game plan together nothing too exciting just get it done very much so um, because Wasps they do have quality it is kind of an unknown why they're not firing Uh, they have a decent team they have players that you'd be aware of who have plenty of talent it's just not coming together for them at all so that makes them just slightly dangerous you cannot second guess them you cannot think that you know we'll just go over and get it I think they just need to perform themselves keep their own standards up and just get that win and get the home draw that's exactly the way it is and and, you know no foot off the pedal whatsoever because Leinster made a a huge statement we always known that they've had this extra gear that they've had um, but we haven't seen it in a long time in in a hell of a long time actually and Toulouse made them go to that level so it'd be an awful shame to see them stepping down from that yeah, I suppose on that point, does it strike you as, you know, a risky type game? We've spoken about the match against Toulouse and the must-win nature of it and how brilliant Leinster were. And, you know, in this game, they're facing a Wasps team who they beat 52-3 back in October. Maybe even from a mental point of view, it's a totally different challenge for the players. Yeah, but that's that's the point of it. It, it won't probably be as much. In fact, in that article I read about Leo, he actually refers to the fact that they've already done work and they're well aware of the attack and potency of Wasps and what they can bring to the table you know I think this week is going to be more about mental preparation just making sure that the high from that was created you know that they don't just take the foot off the gas and think that right they'll just go through the motions because if you're a Wasps player and you're involved in that defeat in the earlier rounds you would want to you know, get Leinster to taste a bit of that bitterness because um, you know they'd be well motivated for a decent performance. And as I say, you know it is inexplicable why Wasps aren't doing better. You know they do have a good team. Is it easier, or hard, Shane, as a player, if 
you've hammered a team just a couple of months ago like really really well and you've come off the back of a really good win over Toulouse and that sort of stuff is it hard and I know in public they'll say oh it's the next match and we're going to focus and we're going to train well but you know I'm sure it's only natural in their heads to go well listen if we play to the level that we can we'll win and that's when something bad sometimes happens yeah a bit of complacency comes in um, yeah but that's that's the the genius that the coaching staff seem to have that they're able to keep the momentum running and you know there'll be changes there'll be people coming back in and again as we talked at the start that you know that competitive streak that's in Leinster even within the squad that that kind of belays that because somebody will come in there who will see this as his opportunity and he will not want to let uh, you know the standards that have been shown down and that drives on the standards that guys can't really afford to have a, a lackadaisical game. Now we do know it's in them, we do know perfect performances aren't always there, we've seen against Munster, we've seen against Bath that they can be got at and you know, they just need to be able to put that aside and because you'd be damn sure that that's the way Bath will attack this game, it's hugely physical at the start but if Leinster come out, show that they're still the superior team and uh, to anything the Wasps were performing, the scoreboard should start ticking in their favour. But listen, they've got to treat it that by no means will this be a walkover. Yeah, Shane Byrne there speaking to us about it. Leinster against Wasps taking place later on today in the Rico Arena. 3.15 kick-off, Nathan, is that correct? It is indeed. Yes, Sam, we're looking forward to cheering on Leinster, hopefully getting what they need to secure a home quarter-final in the Champions Cup, which of course would be here in Dublin later on this year. Uh, the other uh, results from last night in the European Challenge Cup... Great win for Connacht. They're into the quarterfinals against Sale Sharks this March after a 33-27 win in Bordeaux last night. So well done to them. And of course, Joe Schmidt this week named the Six Nations squad for the first two matches. You can read more about that on offtheball.com. Now, Shane Lowry is a, a richer man today, Nathan, than he was before he won the uh, competition he won yesterday. Uh, a cool 1.024 million into his that. bank account. I love, that, win. I love that exact number there, Jay. Thanks. 1.024, I was in. Yeah, that's what it says here, so that's what I'm reading. Thank you very much. Well, yeah, Shane Lowry has uh, won his first tournament in three and a half years with victory at the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship. Lowry sailed victory with a birdie on the par 5, 18 to beat South African Richard Stern by a single shot, finishing on 18 on the par at the end of the four days. However, the last day, he started with a three-shot lead, but had a disastrous front nine, which was contrast to Stern, who had an amazing front nine, as uh, Stern went on to hold a four shot lead going into the last seven holes the awfully man clawed back winning in impressive fashion he boarded the 12th and the 13th on his way to get the win he spoke to Greg Allen of RTE on the occasion as a whole over the moon to be honest yeah obviously but like I haven't stopped going since I came off the 18 green so I'm yeah I'm looking forward to sitting down now and just enjoying it you know there was times you think I was dead and buried today but I think I showed um, great like guts and, and courage and determination today um and showed the type of player that I really am. That I'm, uh, you know, that I'm well able for the the tough the tough part of it as well. So, you know, I've been long enough, couple of years on the golf course. Um, losing my card last year in America and, and not not playing so well uh, for a couple of years has been difficult. But I'm just very happy to be back uh, with a win and 
God, it, it means it means the world to me, I suppose. Yeah, great win for Shane Larry. Well done, Shane. Now, Nathan, uh, winning was not a word used for the Dubs on Friday, unfortunately. No, it wasn't, which is sort of a rare thing to say. Dublin suffered a one twelve to ten point loss at the hands of Westmead at Parnell Park on Friday night. However, one talking point: the hand pass rule has been scrapped before the National League game, and of course, Dublin kicked that off next week against Monaghan. Yeah, the Dubs unable to win the Auburn Cup final on Friday. Now, very finally in our roundup, uh, Team Ireland confirmed the team for their Special Olympics. Uh, taking place in Abu Dhabi where Shane Lerber just won the golf later on this year it's on from the 14th to 21st of March the games will be the world's largest humanitarian and sporting event this year which will see 7,000 athletes compete in 24 sports now there'll be 91 athletes going for Special Olympics Ireland <coughs> excuse me in athletics badminton basketball bocce bowling equestrian football golf gymnastics kayaking swimming and table tennis Nathan what is bocce? Bocce. Well, bocce is an Italian game which is very similar to bowls. So uh, opposing players and teams playing either red or green balls competing in singles, doubles and team events. Bocce may be played on astroturf carpet or clay surfaces and each playing surface is known as a court. The objective of the sport is to roll the bocce ball closest to the target ball which is called a palina. So after our Sunday breakfast, Nathan, after the show, we'll go for a game of bocce. A good, a good spot of bowls, I prefer. Yes, a spot of bowls indeed, very posh. Now, on the way after the break, we're going to be joined by former Ireland international Keith Andrews to talk about Declan Rice, Nick McCarthy and Martin O'Neill. Of course, Martin O'Neill, the new Nottingham Forest manager. He lost his first game yesterday, 1-0 to Bristol City. But will he do a good job there? And also, why street football in Dublin is unfortunately dead forever. 98FM's Now That's What I Call Sport with the Liverpool Football Club Store. Ilex Centre, 98FM. Keith Andrews, welcome back to 98FM. How are you? Cheers, pal. How are you? Good, thanks. Of course, we're here for the Spar Primary School 5's launch taking place again this summer. When you were a kid in Dublin, what do you remember about playing football on the streets and being a young street footballer and the old jumpers for goalposts and all that sort of stuff? Did you play much as a kid? Ah, non-stop. From, from when you get up in the morning, first thing you think about, into school, thinking, can you bring a ball, can you bring a tennis ball into school? We weren't allowed to really play, so we were kicking bits and bobs around the, the schoolyard at lunch break, and then literally as soon as you get home from school, live next to the green in Elamount, three doors down from us, out there, and then conjuring up kind of little in cul-de-sacs around the corner, like goals to get back to the garages and playing across. But obviously times have, have changed. Um, imagine how bad I was if I wasn't out on the streets playing morning, noon and night. My touch would have been horrendous. So yeah, it's just the way times have changed. But loved it, was obsessed with it. All sports really, but obviously football being the main one. Yeah, and it's great now when we're at TV in the summertime and you see the four pitches going and all the young kids playing from primary schools. But as you said, it doesn't happen all the time now and even lots of primary schools have banned kids from running into schoolyard and, and sort of stuff as well. And kids on the streets, I know I spoke to, had Graham Burke on the show recently, he was saying the same thing. He just had a football every single day in town and even when he was home recently, he was saying he didn't see any kids out playing. No, you don't. It's unfortunate. Obviously, you need to be more careful in this day and age and you need to be more protective of kids and you can't just let them go out and roam the streets like... I used to when I was when I was a kid and there was a trust element just come back in when it's dark come back in for your tea it's it's unfortunate um, and some kids haven't got the, the luxury of a park next to their house so yeah it's, it's it's the way of the world now technology as well plays a part in that some of them would rather sit in front of the, the Playstation or the Xbox and play that rather than get out and run around with their mates and it's up to the adults of this world to push that and, and try and get them playing in the back garden or going out training in the right way but then on the flip side of that some clubs and schools they try and stop them playing too much oh you've had enough this week whereas geez, I would have gone straight from Gaelic training after school into football training with my club and Stella Mars and matches non-stop and didn't do me any harm How much 
of your skill and your ability as a footballer was learned as a kid because you know they say people have different opinions on the age when you kind of stop developing your skill and you start developing maybe your tactically and stuff but you know how much of an influence was being like a kid playing football in Dublin to you as to your career I suppose yeah it's it's a bit of a bugbear in mind because when more so in England the, the, the academies in England when they're brought in too young you lose that little bit of just going and playing and obviously the, the society we live in now it's it's difficult for even kids to go out and do that but I would say a lot and the hours that you spend kicking a ball against the wall in your back garden playing two touch with your mates smashing balls in the park and playing against the older kids in the park that would toughen you up and you knew you couldn't take liberties with them so I would say I played a, a major part I'm sure one man who was maybe playing a bit of football on the streets of, of England in his youth was uh, Mr Declan Rice. Happy 20th birthday this week to him. What have you made of the, the FAI's picture of him in the new Ireland jersey, even though we think the photos were taken last May? Happy birthday to Ireland International at Declan Rice, 20. Well, he is an Ireland International, um, <laughs> and hopefully he remains an Irish International. I have to be honest, I would have been one of the ones that was angry when he first decided to press pause on his on his international career and look at the option of England and just look after club form for the time being that that's certainly decreased in recent months and I'm just hopeful that he can come back and play for us because I think he'd revolutionise the team I think he's that good and seen a lot of him underage for Ireland 21s didn't really surprise me too much how well he adapted in, in the three internationals that he played a couple of man of the match awards one of them which I gave him um, fingers crossed How good can he be for Ireland and what position do you see him playing for us? Yeah go back six months ago nine months ago what's his best position? I was torn because I'd seen a lot of him at centre half and I felt centre half was wouldn't be an issue the way he's played holding midfield in the last six months in the Premier League and just got games by the scruff of the neck the positions he picks up tactically out of possession where he sits where he stands phenomenal he's so mature in the way he plays the game he plays the game like a 30 year old that has played 300 and 400 games obviously in last week with Fernandinho's replacement at Manchester City sign him I think he's that good I really do and that's not with my biased Irish glasses on I watch a lot of football in England and tell me someone else at that age that is playing in that of a responsible role within a team it's normally a speedy winger that breaks onto the scene or a striker that has pace that can nick a goal and that you throw in at that type of age it's very very rare you have a holding midfielder playing that regularly in the Premier League to that level consistently he hasn't come out of the team he's been that impressive he's kept his place from literally the first few games of the season Um, I've been blown away by what he's done Will there be any issues with acceptance among the Ireland squad you know the senior players the younger players the fans there are sure to be some people who feel the fact that he's paused for so long we shouldn't take him back and other people who want the team to do well will say well he's actually you know he could be our best midfielder so therefore we definitely have to take him back and accept him but will there be if you were still in the squad would there be an issue you know taking him back in I think he'd probably get a little bit of stick in the first couple of days I think that'll quickly be parked up and moved on because I think they all know how good he is and Again, I go back to what I said about initially I would have been a little bit angry about the whole scenario. When I took a step back, maybe looked at it from his perspective, the age he is, the contract situation, playing playing first team football, Premier League football, Garrett say, okay, knocking on the door, the fact that he is born in England, in London. Difficult scenario for the for the young man. Um so yeah, I'm gonna 
give him a pass and pray that he comes back and I think the lads will be the same I don't think it'd be a big issue um, so yeah fingers crossed it happens Is he a possible future Ireland captain and if so what would he bring to that role he is now just turned 20 so he's still very very young but he has been tipped as you know he, he does lead by example and he's a player who you know in the Ireland shirt could play for 12 or 13 more years Without a shadow of a doubt he's, he's a captain in waiting you'd have to say when, when Seamus uh, whenever that will be relinquishes the armband he's the obvious candidate isn't he you've got people like Shane Duffy Hendrick Brady that would have more experience and big, big players but the way he is the way he plays the maturity the composure the way he leads by example he's vocal already at the age he is on football pitches he marshals his team uh, well, you see it at stadiums as well you don't always see it on, the, on, on TV with the angle of the camera he's constantly getting onto his teammates and putting people into positions again that's that's like someone who's 30 years of age who's played hundreds of league games under his belt and has that assurity and composure about his, his own game he's not just worried about him he's marshalling the whole team and organising so he will be an obvious candidate to, to captain us ongoing and just on the international scenario overall Brian Kerr was very strong last week saying that he feels that if, if a player plays a senior game for a country you know even this week talks about uh, Nathan Redmond from Southampton playing for Ireland Martin O'Neill is trying to speak to him he's played for England in a friendly in 2017 mm. same for Declan Rice he could play for England having played three games for Ireland what's your opinion on, 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 on that point of view that once you've played even if it's not competitive that's it I agree with it I think it should be as soon as you play that minute at senior international I can at underage I can I can accept it to a degree because can you really expect a 15, 16, 17 year old kid to, to make that type of monumental decision that's going to affect the rest of his his playing career realistically you shouldn't be expecting that but as soon as you play a senior international game I think that needs to be it regardless of it being a, uh, a competitive game and I think that's something that UEFA need to look at so we've heard that Mick McCarthy has been very busy meeting players and he, in fairness to him he's been at every award ceremony that has been in Ireland over the last month as well you know getting, getting to meet people and stuff as well when you look at the fixtures in the first fixture against Gibraltar in March and the final fixture I think in November like his stint as manager is actually going to be so short when he was appointed like late last year and it's eight matches it's probably only eight months like and, and it kind of brings home the, you know, the debate of was this the right or wrong decision but his stint will actually be so short and those eight competitive games are going to be huge for him he's got a couple of months to go and he's very busy but God it's going to be a short time for him as manager unless he gets to the Euros of course in which case it will be a little yeah. bit longer well it's just so condensed isn't it right it's, it's like when we're talking about Darren Murphy maybe sending an SOS out well it might only be like six months March, November six, seven months it's, it's, it's bonkers really when you think about it. the whole situation is obviously unusual it's not it's unheard of really you come in Stephen takes over hopefully Mick gets us to the Euros it's a nice position to be in um, but yeah you're right it's, it's like it's happened so quickly after Martin and Roy leaving Mick takes over he does does his usual due diligence goes and watches the game contact with the players um, and then once March gets up and running it's just going to go 100 miles an hour certainly when we get post June it goes September, October, November it's going to be relentless um, so Mick's obviously going to be looking at it short term impact right here right now he's going to have to pray that as many of our big players are up to speed come March for these big games playing regularly playing well at club level I've no doubt he'll do a good job I've no doubt he will create an environment that the players want to come into I don't think that was the case they'll enjoy coming in they'll enjoy the way he wants to play um, and hopefully he can get us over the line Yeah I'm certainly really looking forward to March to the first couple of games we're away of course 
to the, in the first game against Gibraltar and home to Georgia. How much are you looking forward as a former international and now a journalist and a fan to just watching a new Ireland playing? And you know, there's definitely a feel good factor around at the moment with the new manager and, and you know the news hopefully on Declan Rice and stuff. But just like being every game they've even for the last probably ten years and. Under Martin O'Neill in the last while, nobody enjoyed watching the games, including me. And we're all just really excited to actually be there and, and watch this new team hopefully do well. Yeah, it pained me the last year. People think, I, I, you know, you have to be critical of the team and the way it's, the, the way it's gone. I got zero enjoyment from that. I, th- I think it was like everybody else coming towards the game. Certainly in the last few months, it was like it needed to change and, and you're right there is a feel good factor around it now some people will will, will kind of criticise the way the appointment came about the arrangement between Mick Stephen Kenny etc but there is an air of positivity around it we're going into it I think Declan Rice would just top that off very very nicely but we're going into it now where there is going to be general optimism going to that stadium in March um, and I'll be very confident we'll have six points on, on the board by the end of March yeah, you're on the That's What I Call Sport at 98FM. It's Jamie Moore here and Keith Andrews. Now, Keith, you were in a bit of hot water this week with Leeds fans on Twitter. Uh, for those who we've spoken on the show on Sunday, uh, the Leeds manager, Marcelo Bielsa, sent a spy to the Derby training ground to watch Derby training on Thursday of last week. They beat Derby 2-0 on Friday, the top of the championship. And the uh, Argentinian manager was interviewed by Sky Sports, the station you were working for, and just said, yeah, it was me. I'm to blame. It's not illegal. I've been doing it since the World Cup. I'll keep doing it. And Frank Lampard wasn't too impressed. Neither were you. Um, in your experience over the years, Ireland and all your clubs, did you ever come across, like, like it does go on. I know the UCD manager, um, Carly O'Neill, tweeted on the other day. It was very funny saying, when I was a coach in 2005 of Dublin City, the manager sent me to spy on Shamrock Rovers in the AUL. I hid in the bushes. We beat them in the playoffs. We changed the team as a result of seeing the training session. And then Dr. Seamus Kelly, who's a, yeah, a psychologist, yeah. replied to go, in the olden days in Alta and the AUL here in Ireland, every ex-scout was out walking their dog, watching the other team's training. So it has gone on, but just the admission was mad. I just I can't get over it. I can't get over what people find it acceptable. I really can't. Where, where we would have experienced something like that would have been the international games where you're training at the, the, the teams, yeah. the away games you're training the night before. And... You couldn't do any tactics. You couldn't do any set pieces. It was the same when we when I was working with the underage teams. When you're trying, you'd always be wary. You'd have to do it in a room like this where you're behind closed doors. So, for it to happen in a English Championship game, home training ground where someone's caught with binoculars, I find bizarre. I really do. And look to the letter of the law. It's not illegal. He hasn't broken any rules in the in the rule books with the FA, the EFL. It's not, it's not right it's not right and he doesn't need to do it in my opinion because he's that much of a student of the game it's not as if he's cutting corners I would imagine he studies Derby every opposition every second of every game he knows exactly the way they play Derby don't flip between the different systems the only thing he would have found out that day was that one of the players wasn't back from injury there's not a lot to gain little marginal gains it, it, it certainly affected Derby more though in terms of the performance but um, yeah Leeds fans wouldn't be too keen on me Keith Andrews thanks a million see you buddy yeah that's Keith Andrews the former Ireland man speaking to me at the launch of the Spar Primary School Fives for 2019 coming to the Aviva Stadium this May for 4th, 5th and 6th class students more info on FII.ie and Spar.ie well done to Owen Hart from Blanchardstown who's won a pair of tickets to go and see Leinster against Scarlets in the Pro 14 at the RDS this Friday we'll be in touch with you Owen so well done uh, on winning more from all of our guests in the podcast section 98fm.com thanks to Nathan and Kieran behind the scenes we're back live next Sunday from 9am folks have a great day come on Leinster we'll see you later bye bye 98 FM's Now that's what I call sport With the Liverpool Football Club Store Ilac Centre 98 FM